Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Friday, October 27, 2023. Okay, markets are actually mixed right now, but down for the week. We have, uh, right now it is 11.20 in the morning Eastern time. We have the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 0.26%, S&P 500 uh, up 0.34%, NASDAQ Composite up 1.29%, but, but actually down for the week. Uh, if the markets finish right where they are, uh, we'll have the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average will be down about 1% for the week, S&P 500 down 1.8%, NASDAQ Composite down 2%. We have corporate earnings coming in, and overall, they're pretty good, but for some big companies, not quite what the market was expecting. Uh, so the markets are somewhat down on that news. Also, uh, we have a big um, economic number came out, gross domestic product, shows the U.S. economy is growing at one of the strongest uh, annual rates ever, uh, but the market's having mixed reactions on that. So we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Um, on the earnings front, though, uh, Amazon came in better than expected. Simple AMZN, Apple, Mary, Zebra, Nancy. Uh, sales and profits higher than expected. Uh, stock is up about 8%. Ford Motor Company on the other side, symbol F, down about 9%. Uh, earnings not quite what was expected. And the company actually reduced their guidance for the rest of the year on uh, sales and profits due to the ongoing auto worker strike. Uh, so we had that news also. Uh, on the inflation front, the personal consumption expenditures index, uh, the inflation index Federal Reserve tends to prefer, came in at uh, an annualized rate of 3.7%, about what was expected. Uh, a lot better than the 9.5% inflation we had you know, a year and a half ago. But Federal Reserve is still trying to get inflation down to around 2%. Federal Reserve has a meeting next week, Federal Open Market Committee. Uh, they're not expected to raise interest rates at that time, but with the strong economy, the market uh, does have some concerns that the Federal Reserve may continue to raise interest rates at the end of the year. Okay, so what we're going to do today, I'm going to talk about this uh, big economic number that came out yesterday, gross domestic product. And what I'm going to do, uh, I'll get back to mutual funds on the next session, but uh, I've had some questions about, you know, the U.S. economy is the world's largest economy, but but why? Why is it so big, uh, and why is it expected to remain the world's largest economy, perhaps for centuries to come? So I'll talk a little bit more about that today, because the United States is certainly not the biggest country in the world. Um, Russia's bigger than the United States, land-wise. Canada, even China's slightly bigger. We certainly don't have the world's largest population. Um, India and China have much bigger populations than the United States. But the United States, with only about 4% of the world's population, produces over 25% of the world's economic output. So we're going to talk about, you know, why? Why, why is the U.S. economy so big uh, and, and expected to remain big? Uh, the United States has several advantages. 
that no other nation on earth has or really has the ability to acquire. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And as I mentioned, I'll get back to uh, mutual funds on the next session. Anyway, so here's what happened. Okay, so we got this report called Gross Domestic Product. What it is, it's a, a measure of all products, the value of all products and services produced within a country within a year. Now, it's also known as GDP, Gross Domestic Product. The number we use is called Real GDP, R-E-A-L. What that means is after inflation. So I'll give you an example. If you have the raw number that comes out at 5%, economy grew at 5%, but inflation is running at 4%, then the real GDP number would be 1%. So that, that's the number that's reported. Anyway, so here's the thing. Uh, the US economy uh, has, has over its uh, history, we've tended to grow around 2.5% a year, sometimes upwards to 3.5%. And that is really, really strong growth. Um, you know, if you had an economy growing at 3.5% a year, it would double in size. Um, it would double in size about every twenty years uh, on a real basis. But two and a half to three percent is considered really, really strong growth. Well, the number came in yesterday, reported for the third quarter of the year, and our economy is growing at an uh, annualized rate of four point nine percent. I mean, that that's just outstanding. That that is basically a booming economy. Now, one thing I, I always say, though, about when I say a booming economy, it depends on, you know, the individual, uh, certain sectors. You, you know, you might have some areas doing much better than others. Uh, not to make a joke about things, but if somebody's out of work and is looking for a job, well, no, economy's not booming for them. They're actually in an economic recession or depression. But uh, we do still have though, a large number of jobs available in the country, over 10 million, uh, and companies competing for workers and having to raise uh, wages, that's partly what's ca been causing the inflation. But yeah, now the economy's really doing well, uh, much higher than economists have been uh, estimating. But, you know, I've said it on previous sessions. One thing about economists, they tend to be slow about recognizing changes in an economy. And uh, the thing about that is, you know, coming out of COVID, a lot of businesses, individuals, they've learned new ways to do things, also increasing uh, impacts of technology. Uh, I, I think that's partly what's driving our economic growth, as well as our continuously growing population. We also have the youngest population of any major industrial nation on Earth, uh, or major economic nation on Earth. Lots of factors I've talked about in the past, but let me give you some specific numbers here and then talk about why the economy is so big. Okay. All right, so first of all, what are the world's largest economies? Again, we use gross domestic product, product GDP. Okay, uh, I'll give you the top 10 here. Okay, number 10 is Italy. Italy produces in one year about $2.0 trillion in products and services in a year. So Italy comes in number 10. Uh, our northern neighbor, uh, Canada, comes in at number nine, uh, 2.1 uh, uh, trillion dollars a year. Russia comes in uh, at number eight, uh, about 2.3 trillion dollars a year, products and services. France comes in at number seven, 2.8 trillion. United Kingdom, about 3.1 trillion, coming in there at number six. Okay, so uh, Italy, Canada, Russia, France, United Kingdom. Okay, and then the top five. Okay, India is the fifth largest economy in the world, producing about $3.4 trillion in products and services. 
Uh, Germany comes in at number four, about 4.1 trillion. Uh, Japan comes in at number three, about $4.3 trillion in products and services. And then you come to the big two. Uh, China comes in at number two, producing about $17.9 trillion uh, in products and services. And then the United States at number one at $25.5 trillion. So the United States is far ahead of anybody. Uh, China's economy actually is expected to possibly stagnate and even maybe decline over the next few years. Another day I'll talk about what a lot of the factors are. Part of it's declining population, uh, limit, limitations on resources, where the United States economy, uh, actually th these numbers I'm giving you are for 2022, they're from the World Bank. Uh, for, t uh, for this year, we're expected to be about $26.5 trillion. I mean, the United States is just continuing to boom. So. Why is that? First of all, mention United States and China. When you look at uh, gross domestic product, economic output on a per person basis, technical term is GDP per capita, uh, for each person in China, because they have a population of 1.4 trillion people, um, they, they come in at about 12, uh, not about, this is what the number is. Um, economic output per person in China works out to $12,598 a year, so about $12,500 per person. United States is $75,269, so uh, United States, each individual uh, is producing $75,000 in economic output, and that actually counts children and babies, um, and so if we take them out, the number would even be much higher. Anyway, so United States... Um, about 4% of the world's population, 2022, this works out to 25.32% of the world's economic output. Okay, so we're not the largest nation. We don't have the most people. We don't even have the highest level of education. So why is the United States economy so big? All right, so here are the reasons. Uh, number one, we have good dirt. You heard me right, dirt, D-I-R-T. United States has the most fertile soil on earth we can easily grow enough food to feed the entire world several times over. Why we don't, uh, more economic, political issues, anything else, but uh, more political, actually, anything else. Yeah, uh, I, I lived on a farm for a while when I was a kid. Believe me, we have good dirt in this country. I recognize good dirt. Uh, yeah, the United States is the most violent weather of any major nation on Earth. Our, our weather is so violent in this country, uh, we, we just get used to it. It's always something going on here. It's raining too much, it's flooding, snowstorms, hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever. Uh, but this violent weather refertilizes our soil. So I would guess a lot of people uh, possibly have never met a farmer in their lives. Uh, my grandfather was a farmer, though, so I certainly met enough of them. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, we, we have a very small percentage of our population involved in agriculture, and yet our good dirt allows us to grow massive amounts of food. Uh, also, our good transportation systems, our infrastructure allows us to move it around. Uh, so that's one reason we have the most fertile soil on Earth. Number two, we're the only nation on Earth with very, very large coast on both the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. Um, I mean, Mexico does somewhat also, but the United States is like really big. Uh, anyway, the reason that's important, large coast on both the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, we're a trading nation. We trade in both directions. We trade towards Europe and to a growing extent Africa. And the other way, we trade towards Asia. Uh, 
And this being a trading nation contributes a lot to our economic growth. I'll talk about that more another day. We also have many deep water harbors, uh, the most of any major nation on earth. What does that mean? Well, you know, if you think about a big ship coming, say, from, uh, I'll say Europe, uh, loaded with automobiles, you know, BMWs, Mercedes-Benzes, whatever, how are you going to get those automobiles off the ship? Now, one way is just to put the ship up on a beach, you know, think of like a beach here in Florida, and then just drive the cars off the ship onto the sand and to try to get them off the beach up, you know, onto the roads. Well, that's not very effective and efficient. So what you need is a harbor. And what a harbor is, it's a piece of land uh, by the water that suddenly just drops down so the ship can pull right up alongside. But you need another piece of land sticking out to block the waves, if not the ship is rolling up and down trying to unload the cars. Well, there's only a few you know, deep water, and also the water has to be deep for the ship to not hit the, the bottom. There's only a few deep, natural deep water harbors around the world, and basically every one of them has got a major city built there. That's why the cities are there. Uh, over in England, that's where London, England is, 50 miles up the Thames River. That's why London is where it is. Paris, France is built at a big harbor. Hamburg, Germany. Rome, Italy. Uh, in Japan, Tokyo Bay uh, is considered one of the world's best harbors. That's why you got so, several major cities there, Tokyo, Yokohama, Osaka, and so forth. Sydney, Australia is, is a natural harbor. Um, so a lot of countries are, are lucky if they have one natural harbor. Um, we, we've got them all over the place here in the United States. Uh, just uh, the, the city of Boston is located where it is because it's a natural harbor. New York City is considered by some to be the world's best harbor. Um, going further down, Norfolk, Virginia, that's the main uh, naval base, United States Navy, Natural Harbor, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, here in Florida, Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa Bay is a good example of a harbor, you know, calm water, but deep, New Orleans, Houston, uh, on our west coast, starting at the top, Seattle, Washington, Portland. Others say San Francisco is the world's best harbor. You know, you got the big cities there, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, others. Uh, further south, Los Angeles uh, is a natural harbor. San Diego is a natural harbor. So we've got a lot of natural harbors in this country, so that, that helps with trade and shipping. With all the technology that exists in the world today, floating things on water is still the cheapest way to move things. We also have the best rivers. Rivers are rainfall returning to the ocean. The United States, because of all our rainfall, we have rivers crossing everywhere here in the United States. Um, and our rivers are deep, uh, they're wide, and they, they don't have waterfalls. Uh, unlike Africa, where the rivers tend to drop into waterfalls every 100 miles or so. That is why the economic system for, that works in North America cannot especially work in Africa. It has to be modified to what works for Africa. But we, we got a lot of rivers. So again, you can move things on water. You know, if you think about it, if somebody lives in uh, Chicago, as an example, you can actually go all the way to Sydney, Australia, as an example, but never touching land. Um, you basically get on a, a ship uh, in, in Chicago, 
take the ship uh, north Saint La- through the Great Lakes, St. Lawrence River, down through the Erie Canal, past New York City, out into the world's oceans. Kansas City, you know, Midwest, inland, same thing. Get on a, a ship in Kansas City, the Missouri River, it then feeds into the Mississippi River, goes south, wave to everybody in New Orleans, and you're in the world's oceans. Lots of rivers. We have massive natural resources. The United States is basically self-sufficient in almost everything. We have among the world's largest reserves of oil, coal, iron, you name it. So massive uh, natural resources, uh, more than uh, overall more than any country on earth. Uh, we have a strong infrastructure. We have actually good roads in, in, in this country. I know some people say the roads aren't that great, but in some areas, but we got a big interstate system, uh, road system. Infrastructure is strong. We also have a hardworking, skilled workforce. Uh, every economic study that's been done, including recently, shows that American workers tend to work hard and produce a lot of economic output, as, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you, you know, some countries like France, uh, the, the saying is, that they'll say about Americans, well, we uh, work to live. You live to work in America. But they, they, it, some countries can't understand the concept of an American on a two-week vacation deciding to build a deck on the back of their house or something. But we tend to work hard uh, in this country, whether that's our Americans that were born here, new Americans. We have a hardworking, also a skilled workforce. We have people well-trained, well-educated in this country, so a strong workforce. Also, we, uh, the way the United States, what became the United States, was founded. See, when the French came in what is now Canada, they were fur, fur trappers and fur traders, so they kind of arrived and spread all over you know, the north part of North America. The Spanish and Portuguese to our south were looking for gold, uh, and silver, so they tended to spread out. The English came last, and the English came primarily as religious groups, pilgrims, and so forth. When they got here, they didn't spread out everywhere. They stayed together as communities along the coast. And by staying together, they, they quickly built uh, governments, uh, towns, economic systems, and then a, a basically set up a strong foundation for government economics, and then spread across the continent. It's one reason that the English were able to, English colonists uh, got their independence decades for anybody north or south. We also have a strong money transfer system. Uh, Our banking system creaks at times, but it doesn't break. If you think about it, for many many people, uh, they're actually, if you think about somebody that's contributing uh, from their retirement account at their job, they're putting money away for retirement, but also have a car loan outstanding or a mortgage, what you're doing is you're putting money in our financial system and and borrowing back out of it at the same time. So that contributes to a strong economy. Uh, A couple of other things here before we wrap it up. We also mentioned a strong banking system. You know, it creaks at times, but it is strong. Federal Reserve is a model central bank for other governments around the world. Also, here in the United States, we have the ability as a society to rapidly adapt and change. We're not stuck in our ways, you know? We're not a 4,000-year-old society. So here in the United States, we we can reinvent ourselves relatively quickly. Back in the 1930s, we were a relatively unarmed nation. 
got into World War II and the United States overnight became the most potent war machine the world had ever seen. Back in the 80s, all we heard about was Japan as far as technology. It was called Japan Incorporated. And yet by the 1990s, the United States rapidly reestablished itself as the most advanced technological country on earth. If you think about the big, big, um, you know, dot-com computer companies, Microsoft, Facebook, IBM, Amazon, Apple, American companies. We also have a stable government. You may not like our government at times, but we don't tend to overthrow, we don't overthrow it. We vote them out of office, and that contributes to our strong economy. The last thing, the smartest, most motivated people in the world come here to live. We win what's called the brain game. What does that mean? The United States uh, may not always have the best, you know, public schools, but we're known for the world's best universities. So the smartest people in the world tend to come here to attend our universities, and a lot of them tend to stay. So we continue to win the brain game. So anyway, just summing things up here, and I'll wrap it up for today. Why uh, is the United States economy so big and continue expected to remain big? We have the most fertile soil on Earth, large coast on both the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, many deep water harbors, best river system in the world, huge natural resources, strong infrastructure, hardworking, skilled workforce, concentrated early settlement, excellent money transfer system, strong banking system, ability to rapidly adapt and change, stable government, and the smartest, most motivated people in the world come here to live. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up for today. Hope this stuff is helping. On the next session, we'll return to mutual funds, and I will talk about the different types of stock funds that are out there. And then I'm going to start to get in on upcoming sessions after that, specifically how do you invest your money. Uh, the right way to do it, the way I was taught uh, when I was young, and you can start for very small amounts, but we'll, we'll get to that. All right, hope everyone's doing well. Bill Thompson, T-Bill, talk to you again soon. Take care. See ya. 